I just wanted to make a quick point about the awakening process, the shadow aspect of the awakening process specifically. And knowing this may save you a lot of time, may save you a lot of unnecessary frustration, being sidetracked, etc. This mechanism that I'm going to describe is not usually obvious with an awakening, not immediately, <clears throat> and not even really obvious when we're engaging the shadow initially. Over time, it does become apparent. But for me, it took a long time to actually recognize this mechanism in this kind of, with this kind of clarity or precision that I'm going to describe it. But I do think that laying it out ahead of time um, can probably save you some headaches as far as how to proceed here. So it's a very simple thing that I want to talk about, and that is that there's a significant um, shift that happens, and I don't mean a shift in identity or an experiential insight in the usual ways I talk about awakening, but there's a shift in our um, thought and behavior patterns that occurs as we're traversing the shadow. And the sooner it becomes clear how to navigate this, the better. At some point, it will just become obvious because you will have no choice. But initially, it can be evasive to recognize this mechanism. But recognizing the mechanism is very helpful. And then approaching it with a certain um, orientation, I think, can be helpful as well. And I'll describe all that. So to put it very simply, when we're mind identified, which is the usual state of human consciousness, uh, we actually use the mind very readily as our, our, our reaction or our go-to experience when we feel emotion that is habitually repressed or emotion that is uncomfortable or even our own reactivity or resistance. When we come into contact with any of those, it's so natural and so quick that we use thoughts to pacify ourselves. We use thought, which doesn't necessarily feel like that's what we're doing. It feels sometimes just like, oh, I'm interested in something else now. feels like distraction, feels like mind wandering, fantasy. It can feel like all kinds of things. Um, social media, overuse, getting in arguments with people video games in excess, porn, anything that's distracting is in this category. But a lot of those behaviors or complex activities are a little bit down the road. The initial movement is just a simple movement into the mind, into thought when we start to feel something uncomfortable. So when there's mind identification going and it's rather solid, this will not be noticed. It won't, it won't look like this is happening at all. It'll feel like you are totally intact <laughs> as a thinking creature living in a world of time and space and so forth, like I described before awakening. It will just feel like that's what's happening. You may feel like you're doing emotion work. You may, you may feel like you're doing spiritual work. But as long as this mechanism is intact, which it, it is for a long time, and for many people it is their whole life, uh, it won't be obvious that this is actually what's happening. <clears throat> because... It's happening so quickly and so continuously that we actually don't have a chance to see what it feels like when it stops happening or when we, uh, by intention, stop it from happening for a moment. 
So just understand until we're like really in the midst of shadow work, this isn't even obvious. At some point as we're traversing the shadow, we will see that the tendency to jump into a thought, to jump into the mind um, is, it's not just a momentary reaction or a momentary uh, distraction from an emotion. It's, it's a habit that's become essentially continuous. So it kind of has a default to it. You've heard of the default mode network of the brain. This is almost certainly part of it. But it has a default tendency for an overlay of experience to appear in consciousness that sort of replaces, I say sort of because it's not actually replacing anything, but it appears to, replaces our apparent energetic experience of this, this timeless, spaceless, non-dualistic reality, whatever you want to call it, it gets replaced very quickly by an overlay. And that overlay is like the on-ramp into mind. But, but again, when this is so tightly woven that there's no gaps at all, which is mind identification, there's no way to know this. But as we start to recognize that that tendency is there, even when we're not feeling triggered, we start to feel like almost intimidated by how daunting this whole process is and how incredibly powerful the mind is. It's very powerful in this way. It's very good at co-opting, even spiritual co-opting. It's very good at it. So it can really fool you. Uh, but again, once we start to get into the shadow, once we've had a shift in identity, we will notice that not only is it not skillful anymore to use the mind to pacify ourselves when we're feeling something directly, um, it becomes less and less of an actual option, meaning you start to recognize that something, you may, you may personify it or you may call it the universe or the process or the Dharma, something's actually forcing you to reevaluate whether or not that's skillful or meaningful or possible to use the mind to pacify ourselves anymore. Again, even this isn't always obvious mechanistically until hindsight, until it's in hindsight, but it, what it'll feel like is while early on in life, it will feel really good almost to grab onto a thought, to start to think, to start to feel something uncomfortable, to imagine when it's gone or think of a coping mechanism or start to intellectualize about what's happening and what our solutions are going to be and start imagining time. Initially, that feels totally normal and it feels adaptive. It feels like a coping mechanism and it feels right. And maybe it is right in, in that arrangement of experience, mind identification. But over time, it starts to feel really off, actually. Those, those subtle thoughts start to feel really uncomfortable. Or the gross thoughts, definitely, but the more subtle thoughts even, the, the ones that start to feel or start to appear as much more sinister. This is when the mind you know, takes the gloves off, when it feels that you're really challenging identity. Uh, it will start throwing thoughts at you. They're much more intense, you know, like you're going to go crazy if you do this. This is going to be the end of you. You can't handle this. This is too much. This suffering is overwhelming. It's unbearable. It will put you back to where you used to be when you were depressed or when you were anything, whatever. Whatever it has to say, it will say. But those thoughts are just the same as any other thought. Uh, however, the cost here is much higher to grab those thoughts, to 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 cling on to thought, to use the mind as an on-ramp. In fact, it has to flip over 180 degrees. This is the sort of turnaround I'm talking about. We have to actually start to recognize that's exactly where you don't want to go. 
you can recognize the thoughts. You don't have to fight them off or push them away because if you do that, you're already in the world of thoughts. If you're wrestling with thoughts, they've already won in that moment. You gotta come back to the senses, literally come back to your senses, <laughs> come back to the body sensation. Once you're experiencing body sensation again, again, it may be more than you're used to, more direct, more intense, whatever, but you have the capacity. Once you're experiencing that, now you have the opportunity to recognize any, any thought that comes up, any um, modifier of your experience, any descriptor, any narrative, anything, anything that just says, I just want to get out of here. I want to go do something. I want to use this coping mechanism or that coping mechanism, whether it's mental or an activity. Uh, it would be saying all that, but you realize you actually have the opportunity to just ignore it and really just keep feeling. So again, the flip is, or the 180 degree turn here is, initially with mind identification, the mind is used and the thoughts are used to pacify us in these situations. That's totally normal. It's not healthy really, but it's what everybody does. It's what we're taught to do. It's what we instinctually do after some time. So, uh, so it's normal and very usual. But again, in, in the deeper shadow, it, it has to come full circle where instead of that happening, when you start to feel something intense, your attention goes right to the intensity, but beyond the label intensity, it goes right to the sensation directly. That's, that's, that's the skillful approach. That's the way I recommend sort of training yourself uh, to do this. Because otherwise you'll be struggling with these like half seemingly real thoughts with a feeling like a dying identity that are saying the most grotesque things to you. That's not a comfortable place to be for anybody, but it's also a false world. It's just the mind just trying to get any kind of traction it can. It's saying whatever it can to get attention back, right? It's okay. You don't have to entertain those thoughts and you don't have to resist them either. Attention into the body senses is why, that's why I talk about this so much. Attention into the body sense and even into the visual sense and the sound. Attention in the senses will, will ultimately break that spell. It won't happen right away. And you won't feel it happening right away necessarily. But if you do it consistently, you'll notice differences. You'll notice an ease. You'll notice not being so up in the mind all the time. But if you keep at it, you will go through the deep shadow. You'll go through some intense stuff and then you'll come out the other side. And that's something completely different than you've experienced before. To realize the non-dual nature of the, the sense fields, the non-dual nature of all appearance, including consciousness. When that's realized, this spell is broken. The tendency to get pulled back into the mind, although it's possible for a very short time, it's very different. It doesn't actually feel like there's anyone getting pulled back into it. It simply feels like consciousness is becoming a little more of an intense non-dual um, appearance in that moment or something like that. It has a little different quality than the other senses, but it's still non-dualistic and balanced with, the, with all sense fields. And the sense fields are prominent now. They are primary. So again, just to put it very simple, I just wanna talk about this mechanism very simply so it's not complicated to traverse. Although it's challenging. This is the, probably the most challenging space for anybody anywhere in this whole entire process, for almost everybody who's right here. But you will see this mechanism at some point. You'll see the mechanism of grabbing onto thought when things feel uncomfortable, when things feel untoward, when things feel confusing, disorienting, contracted, you name it, whatever. A particular emotion you're terrified of, shame, guilt, jealousy, rage, whatever it is, that will be the trigger point. And the trigger point will say, grab a thought. That's, again, the normal way, the usual arrangement. Over time, you'll see it's quite the opposite now. 
the thought, even even the thought itself doesn't indicate, hey, let's get entangled in thought. The thought indicates, oh, attention is more in consciousness now or more in thought or reflective thought. Put it back in the body sense. Put it into the sensation fields. Use the, the presence of a thought as a marker or a reminder to actually become truly present, which is in the senses. So as, as you get on board with that, there becomes a lot less struggle here with all of this. There becomes a lot less reactivity, resistance, all of it. Once you're on board, once you understand what I'm saying, not that Angelo's saying it or not in the way I'm saying it, but when you understand it in your own experience mechanistically and, and it, you get it um, and you try it and you do it and you prove it to yourself a few times, then it gets much easier. This gets much easier. You still may have a lot of shadow material to move through, but the, the self-struggle, which is by far the hardest part of all of it, can come to an end. The struggling with yourself, the struggling with what you should be doing in this moment or what you need to be doing, right? If you're in the mind, there's already struggle 100% of the time because the mind is reflective and those reflective thoughts reflecting one another set up a sense of struggle. They send, set up a sense of doership and apartness and isolation and then on and on, right? So there's always some sense of discord or struggle in the mind when the tension's there, if, there, if there's any identity left, <laughs> um, which I'm going to define here as will, the sense of will pushing and pulling on thoughts or experiences. Uh, as we orient to the sensation fields, it's, it's very different. The sensation fields don't compel a pushing or pulling. They don't compel will at all. They just don't require anything like that. They're, they stand on their own. That's the, the thing that's so beautiful. They, they stand on their own in the sense that they're not conjured, fabricated, anything, like, like everything in the mind. Um, in another sense, I could say the, the, the texture of the sense itself doesn't necessarily stand on its own. In one way of speaking, it's actually co-arising with the awareness of it. You could say it that way. Some people would say it that way. But at some point, that, that even becomes non-dualistic. <clears throat> So it's like empty fullness. Uh, yeah, let me know if this is helpful. I tried to be really simple here because this is a is a kind of an overarching description of something that happens in shadow work, but it's a very important point and uh, an important transition, I think, in pretty much everyone's process that I've seen. So hopefully it's helpful. <laughs>